1: Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to the Fighting on Film podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies from the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords. If it's been captured on film, we're going to try and
0: cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourers Bench. Hello, Robbie here.
1: Did you know you can support the podcast on Patreon? Join the supporting cast today and gain access to exclusive perks, such as discount codes, our monthly Patreon film votes, and the chance to get exclusive merchandise before anyone else. Search Fighting on Film on Patreon or find the link on our website. Thank you. Now back to the show. Welcome back to the pod. Last week we jumped into Bruneval by Wellington with the Red Beret, and this week we zip up our flak jackets and hop in a Huey as we go into Vietnam with Lieutenant Knight for 1988's Platoon Leader. I had to be careful there, Matt, because I nearly set up one of the most revered Vietnam War films of the 80s. But as you know here at Foff, we always like to do it
0: the wrong way around. Yeah. So, where else on what other podcast would you have this follow Red Beret? Nowhere else. When, we're eclectic. Be. You can say absolutely anything about us, yep. but we are eclectic. From from uh, Alan Ladd to Michael Dudikoff to a canon film. I know.
1: Yeah. It's a special type and, of movie this
0: week. Aaron Norris directed Karen Cannon. <laughs> I know. So, maybe Matt mentioning Aaron
1: Norris, maybe we should start with production on this one because I think. It's going to be difficult to go into cast without explaining why this film is the way it is. Yeah, I think so. Okay, so production. The film's based on a memoir called Platoon Leader by James R. McDonough, who's a veteran of the Vietnam War. Uh, he served in 173rd um, Airborne, and it was released in 1985, and then it was optioned by Canon into this movie. And according to a family member of McDonough's, um, he said he didn't like the film very much and he objected to a subplot about him having an affair with the Vietnamese villager. Uh, this subplot seems to have been scrubbed or not even made the final cut.
0: Yeah, um, from
1: definitely from what, No, definitely not. I found that out. Someone on Twitter told me today. From what I've read about the book, the film flows its plot very loosely and it seems to have been made more to cash in on Platoon in 1986 rather than um, being a a, a, a strict adaptation um it was originally called Nam before the name changed to platoon leader it's produced by breton film productions who produced a few other canon films um, such as river of death and american ninja 3 um, distributed by the legendary production company that's canon films if you're a b-movie fan if you're a director video fan from the 90s they just make a certain type of movie and, and roger ebert said this about them in in the late 80s he said no other production organization in the world today certainly not any of the seven Hollywood majors has more chances with serious marginal films than Canon. Then around the same time, they just released the He-Man movie that was quite famously quite expensive flop. Um, It was meant to be the next star Wars. They also released Arnie's raw deal and so many like beloved B movies. Like at the time they were doing all the death wish sequels. They had Chuck Norris as a, as a, as a contracted star and they were doing the American Ninja series if you, as I said, if you're a fan of these sort of the 80s B films, this is you know, it's probably bread and butter to you. Um, yeah. as Matt mentioned, top of the show directed by Aaron Norris, uh, Chuck Norris's brother. As I said, he was a contracted star at Canon, and he was also originally um, considered for the lead, but they didn't go with uh Norris. <laughs> Another double Norris feature, um, well, and what this that is, would have been like I know it'd be interesting, wouldn't it? Um, and this, um this film is the only film of Aaron Norris's career that doesn't have his brother in it.
0: I read that. I read that. That's interesting, isn't it?
1: It is, yeah. So Aaron Norris's um, credits obviously include like Missing Action 3, Delta Force 3, The Hitman. They're all Norris movies. Um, And he also has a small cameo in this as a war correspondent. Um, And there are four screenwriters who are involved in the scripting, including British writer Harry Allen Towers, who also, also penned other Dudikoff uh, vehicles like Films of the River, uh, again, uh, River of Death and American Ninja 3. So there's a lot of like Canon people do a lot of other Canon yeah, stuff. Yeah. They all seem to be. It's you the know. same with the cast. Yeah, exactly. Um, the cinematography, though, was done by the late Arthur Worcester, who is an incredibly well thought of camera operator. He worked on many bomb films during his career. Started off doing the bomb movies in eighty one with For Your Eyes Only, doing underwater sequences. I think he went on and did. I think he did ten more. I think he did his last yeah, one. He did it was Goldeneye. Well Eye, into the I think. 90s. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, he also worked as a clapper for the Crown Film Unit in the Second World War, and his another other cin- know, yeah. right yeah, and his other cinematography work includes four episodes of Sharp in the mid nineties. Uh, return yeah I know, Return from the uh, River Kwai, another war film. Uh, as, and many documentaries. He actually did a, a 3D film of the Queen's coronation back in the 50s. Um, wow. that was only shown properly in 2009 because the 3D fad died a little bit before they could get it out. Um, and he also did documentaries on Italia 90 and, and the 1966 World Cup, and he was awarded a uh, like a a, a BAFTA um, later on in his career for his, his um, services to sort of camera oh, work. Like a
0: lifetime award.
1: So, yeah. Oh, wow. And he, nice. he just brings such a... It, this elevates this film. I think, I think
0: you're right, yeah. I people, think you're
1: right. I think people dismiss it out of hand. They so see Canon, they see the the sort of Chuck Budakoff, Norris movie-esque Norris.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like
1: poster where, the, where he's got the big machine gun over his back and they think mm-hmm. oh, it's like a Rambo missing in action type film. But the camel work does really elevate it. I'm sure we'll talk about it more later on. Um, so the movie's filmed in Durban, South Africa, but then according to our friend Lance Nielsen, who did work for Canon at the time, he said it was shot in the Philippines. So, jury's out. It could be both. Who knows? Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Not sure myself. Um, but I couldn't find a solid answer on that. Um, but it was filmed in October 1987 and released in October 88. So, about a year's turnaround. Um, couldn't find the, the budget. But the box office take was just over 1.3 million US dollars. And the retro review this week comes from the LA Times on the 7th October 88 by Michael Wilmington, and I'll just read you the first couple of paragraphs. He said, Return with us now to the thrilling days of yesteryear when blood-drenched macho buddies fought against indifference, heat, jungle rot, short supplies, and vicious Viet Cong, and their own inept, surely multiracial troops to raise the banners of freedom and buddyhood above the hopelessly ungrateful plains of Vietnam. That's the general idea behind Platoon Leader, an inept, surely multi-stereotype movie for which audiences may also be hopelessly ungrateful.
0: A little bit cruel. A little bit cruel. Yeah, all the reviews are f- like a I little feel bit... like our one web reviews this week are gonna agree heavily with that particular classic review.
1: Pretty much do. Um from, from what I've seen, people don't like this film. I know. And I, I'd seen this one a while back and I gave it a reappraisal. So I think I watched it at university. It's like when I mm. sort of it was on the telly, I think.
0: This is one that I watched when it late one night when I was looking for stuff for the pod. I think yes and I, and I saw it and I I think I I think I mentioned it and then I completely forgot about it completely. And then Rob yeah. suggested it again last week and i was like, like oh yeah that I, sounds good.
1: I remember and you... I remembered
0: the scenes with um uh, Michael DeLorenzio and the mm. uh, overdose. I remembered that.
1: Didn't didn't you watch Warbus as well? Which I is did in the same watch War as well. Yes. <laughs> type yeah. of vein you were doing a top
0: five Nam films that aren't. I was. I was. I was. and yeah. that, it, it quickly spiraled and became like a top ten on unsung, um, unpublished as yet. I, as yet, the research continues, Rob. I am, after <laughs> does, all, yeah. <laughs> a researcher. Um, but yes, Cara, so, sorry.
1: The one-word reviews. Seri Thomas goes with toilet. Um, our own historical firearms, Matthew Moss says shoddy. Um, yeah. that'll become clear later. Uh, Shay five, nine, eight goes with the tagline. Wasn't really thought out. Was it? <laughs> Cause the tagline is war is hell. This was worse. Um, <laughs> champion goes with the cheap. AD bond says, Nope. Um, Pete Mack goes forgettable. Uh, Douglas Gearhart says cannon esque. <laughs> <And laughs> they'll round it out with Aramis. Um, because it made me laugh all day he said pish. <laughs> so yeah that was um that was the one more reviews thanks for the support guys
0: <laughs> i mean i will i will put my you know my my hat on the line and say that it's not that bad it really isn't there's no, parts of this it... film that are even better than firebase gloria in my opinion yeah
1: yeah, no, I think I think you've got a point. We'll we'll, we'll talk about it more. We'll try yeah. and we'll try and cr- create a case for this one because I think. It, anyway,
0: let me. I think let it's me, something uh, you can. Yeah. Let me elucidate everyone on the uh, on the cast, and then we'll move into a bit more discussion about why we think it isn't as bad as it outwardly appears to be. Yes. So as as um, Rob has already mentioned, Michael Dudikoff is uh, Lieutenant Jeffrey Knight. Dudikoff's had a really interesting career where he. He's been in a lot of B-movies and canon movies. And as we've already mentioned, American Ninja numerous times. Uh, He had a small part in Uncommon Valor, which is obviously a Norris film. film. Um, American Ninja in 85, Avenging Force in 86. Uh, He played General Lee, which is sort of a cameo part in uh, 1990s Air America with uh, Mel Gibson and uh, Robert Downey Jr., uh, in '95, he was in Soldier Boys, another Vietnam film. Uh, in '98, he was in a film called Freedom Strike, great name. And then in Amazing. 2015, his most recent military film was um, the outstanding Navy Seals versus Zombies. Oh, yeah! Incredible Navy Seals. Let me see. Let's that's, that's, that's in. Navy Seals versus Zombies. How good does that, that sounds, sound?
1: That that sounds very Octobery podcast release time. We'll it, have to do that. that. That
0: sounds very 2015.
1: It does, it? yeah. Um, he's one of those actors, like he. of were pushing him, weren't they? Like yeah. they really thought they were pushing him to be to be big, and it sort of didn't happen. But then he's really cult as well. So, oh, that's very true. Very. true. I think he's good in this. I don't. I don't think you can fault him in this. Really.
0: Not really. No. I think he probably provides a better um, performance than Chuck Norris would have. Uh, oh yeah. As soon as you put that on and you sit down to watch. That film and Chuck Norris is Lieutenant Jeffrey Knight. Then you're just watching Chuck Norris be a. Is a
1: completely different film. Platoon leader, yeah,
0: and that's it. Mm. But with this, with Dudikoff, for me, Dudikoff is a relative unknown. I haven't watched a great many of his films, um so I don't. In a couple, yeah, I have two, but I'm not. I don't see Michael Dudikoff when I watch the film. No.
1: no, I have more experience of watching the red letter media guys watching
0: Michael Dudikoff films. That's true. Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's that's (laughs) called cultural osmosis yes i think you're right (laughs) um so just to just to talk about some of the other cast uh, there's some interesting characters in here we've got robert f lines who plays sergeant michael mcnamara um and he was in a lot of tv and i'm going to repeat that a lot in this rundown of the cast because a lot of these guys is a great name for a vietnam Vietnam character because he's the nco name for a vietnam american american defense secretary at the time brilliant Uh, He was in Death Wish 2. He was in um, Command 5 in 1985. And he was also in American Eagle in 1989. And as I said, a lot of TV. Um, Then we have Michael DeLorenzio, who played uh, Private Raymond uh, Bacera, who was a principal dancer in Fame. He was also one of the dancers in Michael Jackson's Thriller. And he was in, I believe, the video for Lionel Richie's Dancing on the Ceiling. Wow and then he was also rob you're like you're like this because you've just started watching two episodes of like my advice
1: yes yeah. <laughs> i looked i looked it up as well I was like oh looking forward to seeing him
0: because <laughs> he's 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 pretty good in it um yeah he also played paco in an episode of uh, 1988's the dirty dozen series and we we stopped dirty dozen december dead after the yeah. films and much to my disappointment, Rob wouldn't let us do the Dirty Dozen TV series. Well, because as hard as it
1: is to see the original, the four, the quadrilogy of Dirty <laughs> Dozen movies, which it sounds crazy to say, brand new sentence alert, everyone. um So, as weird as that sounds, it's harder to watch that series. You can watch the pilot, but getting through the series, you're it, going to be difficult because it was famously not very well received.
0: Well, it's okay. It's okay because he does in December 2. When we do the whole series, we'll be late. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, he was in A Few Good Men in 1992. Uh, and again, a lot of uh, TV work as well in between then and now. Um, Jesse Dabson plays Private Joshua Parker. He was in Death Wish 4. And again, a lot of TV work. Far too much for me to mention. Uh, Rick Fitz plays Sergeant Robert Hayes. And he is criminally underused in this film because he's introduced. And then you very rarely see him for the rest of the film. Right. Um he's the author sergeant. So you've got McNamara, you've got Roach, and then you've got Rick Fitz uh playing uh, Sergeant Hayes.
1: Oh god, has... I didn't even realise there were three sergeants. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. Um
1: oh God, I'm, I only Roach and McNamara,
0: so they're big characters. Great. They? They yeah, are big they are characters.
1: big characters.
0: Yeah. Um Fitz was in again a lot of TV. Um eighteen, yes. he was in Hanoi Hilton in eighty-seven, the year before. And he also voiced uh, Mr. Johansson in Hey Arnold for uh, quite a while. Wow. Yeah. First Hey Arnold mentioned in the pod, by the way. Uh, Tony Pierce plays uh, Private Jan Schultz, who uh, appeared in POW Escape 1986, which I believe is another Vietnam film. Uh, He had a role, a small role in Dancers. That's a Carradine
1: movie. Sorry, you just dropped my memory. I I think
0: it is. Yeah, it is. For the boys in 1991, another Vietnam film, I think. No, I think that's a World War II film, actually, with Bette Midler. Oh, yeah, it's like a U.S.O. type. Yeah. Can you imagine Bette Midler in a canon film? That'd be amazing.
1: That'd be incredible. (laughs)
0: I'll get you for this, Midler. (laughs) (laughs)
1: References.
0: Oh my God, Um, Brian Libby as Sergeant Roach, who is peak in this. Um, It's good. That should have been the trailer tagline. Um Kevin, lots and yeah. lots and lots of TV. Uh 18 Dallas Aftermash. Uh the Father Dowling Mysteries. Um he was Captain Jackson in Heat, Michael Mann's Heat. Um Ooh. he was Floyd. What the, in... the TV one or the actual movie? No, one? the actual one. So not not the, uh, the, the 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 like TV movie Michael Mann yeah. made first, but not the one actual. It grew yeah, out yeah. of. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, amazing. He was Floyd in Shawshank Redemption, and he was a mechanic in uh, Air Force One with Harrison Ford. And, and he's finally, a cold
1: and he, motherfucker in this.
0: <laughs> he really is. And <laughs> finally, he was Sheriff McGee in The Green Mile. So wow, what career? Yeah, he kind of had like an upward, t- like trajectory yeah. at the end of his career. To me, well, I, don't, I think he's still acting. So it's we'll Amazing. not under, undercut him too much, but he's he's great in this. Please come um, on the show
1: and talk to us about this movie if you're out yes, there. Yes,
0: please do, Brian. Um, please. <laughs> Michael Ryder uh, as Private John, Private Don Pike. Uh, Again, TV work, A-Team, Knight Rider, TJ Hooker. And then finally, to round out our cast, we've got William Smith, who plays Major Flynn. Very recognisable face, lots and lots and lots of TV work from the 60s onwards. Small film roles, everything from Batman to Lassie to the A-Team to the Twilight Zone. And in 1963 and 64, two episodes of Combat, Yes. Always nice yes. to get a combat I love link. the combat length. Uh, and in terms of films, um, he was in Never So Few with Sinatra and McQueen. I don't know how, but in 1959 oh he was. Yeah. Um, uh, Hell Comes to Frogtown with Roddy Piper. in <laughs> 1988. showing me the child that that <laughs> That's not even a military movie, but it has to be mentioned. That film looks <laughs> mental. Um, Hell, on, Hell on the Battleground in 88, which is another Vietnam film. And then he's probably best known for playing... Um, Strelnikov in Red Dawn, yeah, this is 1984 magnum opus Red Dawn, <laughs> yes, can't wait to do that one. Mm-hmm. No,
1: he's great in this. I I thought he was the guy who played Bennett in um Commando. He when does I first have saw a bit him. of a look with that mustache, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, I, but no, he's not. But he was great in this. The, the cast yeah. is it's good, he's good. So, what they've got to do,
0: solid cast, yeah, there's some there's a lot of... ropey line deliveries, yes,
1: yeah, there is, but there's nothing. The script, and unless it's McNamara or Dudikoff, sorry, not McNamara or Knight talking, I don't really think a lot of them are given much to do.
0: No, <laughs> so no. Yeah. Rick Fitz obviously isn't.
1: <laughs> no, <laughs> god, I, I didn't even know. I forgot. <laughs> yeah. I know. I was so enthralled by Roach just being a oh, proper, no. he's definitely done like three tours. He's just, yeah, I don't know. He's just. Proper psychopath <laughs> NCO. <laughs> oh yeah. Perfect. He looks like the guy that Don McCullen took a photo of in the Thousand Yard Stare. That's kind of what I think he's like based off.
0: Well, speaking of uh, Roach, I think we should probably talk about his weapon of choice in this week's Ali Tally. It's time for Ali Tally on Fighting on Film.
1: So, before we start Ali Tally, I was trying to work out the year of this movie because it never explicitly says in the film what mm-hmm. what era of Vietnam they're in. Yeah. Uh, Vietnam war they're in. So the book is based in 71.
0: Okay. Interesting.
1: So I'm gonna go with 71. But I think it just seems like a lot more just general Vietnam
0: type. Yeah. So it could be
1: any time from like 68 to 73.
0: Yes. It could be. It doesn't I, ever say. It's late war, I would say. Especially how the
1: uh, replacements are treated, like they're very beatnik and, and kind it's, of guys. Everything's
0: quite lax, and the draft is mentioned. There's there's a bit where Dudikoff meets some replacements, and there's an FNG where he goes, and yeah. what's your problem, soldier? You just unhappy to be drafted or something like that, and yeah. turns out he uh, he decided to join up to avoid some heat back home. That's it. I'm the greaser. Mm-hmm.
1: They call me the greaser.
0: Yeah. There's a very funny scene with um with Roach where they're doing some mine clearance. Oh, that's good. He just goes off for a, a piss. Yeah, he <laughs> leaves, leaves him, him. with a, with his finger on the mine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Then he takes the detonator out and he's like, good next time you start on your own.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it's cold.
1: It's just such a cold, it's, it's great scene. Methodical dude. But no, I think it's I think it's probably early 70s, very late
0: sixties. Um, which is
1: rare for, for non-films. You don't usually get them
0: that late yeah, in the war. Yeah, I I mean, I would I would say probably 70 maybe, but yeah, there's a lot to talk about.
1: Yeah, there's a load. It's, it's a decent representation of, of Vietnam-era American troops. Um, from what I can imagine, it was a very small budget. Um, there's third-pack fatigues. There's a good mix of M56 webbing and the later Alice-type webbing. It's more sort of plasticky-looking, um, mm-hmm. to sort of describe it for the, the non-experts out there. Um, they're wearing M1959 style flat jackets, which don't have the fat collar that you see. Oh yeah. On 69 jackets kind of annoys me. They wear them out on patrol still, because that's a big trope. I mean, see footage and pictures. People might wear them on a fire base. They might wear them if they're going somewhere, but out on patrol, they're very heavy. They make you sweat. You know, you, you can't, your body can't breathe properly in them. They're not very comfortable. So lads did ditch them. Um, but you know, it's a Vietnam B movie, it's tropey, it's fine. Then there's two Huey helicopters on show, which was, and then what I think is a Hughes Loach helicopter, little sort of thing that comes in after and does a few okay. rockets right, right. in there, which is rare, you don't see in, in much mm-hmm. of them. So I assume the South Africans had them if it was shot in South Africa, probably, or the Philippines probably, had yeah. them if it was shot in the Philippines. <laughs> <laughs> and then there are some 20-round magazines on the show, which you don't usually see. Yeah. couple every now and then 30 round mags as well for the m16s and i'll talk more about my weapon of choice this week after matt has a turn because i could be here forever
0: yeah well I, as you mentioned then there's a lot of 30 rounders and that is a, a classic uh mm. b movie vietnam war movie trope where they all have the 30 rounders and the i mean it's, it's true of some of the big ones too isn't it but yeah um it's not completely say, wrong, but it's not no, right. Either. Just yeah. and this given it, you know, it being late war, we think it's a little bit more forgivable. But there weren't that bit, many. Yeah, there weren't that many around. And
1: even then, it, it doesn't really. I mean, mention it a lot on the show because it's just something to talk about. But it doesn't really bother me that much.
0: Really? No, no, it, it's it's yeah, it's very minor. It is what it is. That's, yeah, that's very rivet Country. If we start being like, nope, pay round mags, that's wrong
1: yeah exactly That's like no much. i'm not bothered no i'm not bothered
0: yeah you know so um those 30 round mags are being used in a mix of uh, cult SB ones which are the semi-automatic sporter version um of the m16 and some m16a1s um sergeant mcnamara has a really cool little um like Colt yes. sporter doesn't he which, i've written a big like thing it's... about that i'll let you i'll let you handle that one then rob <laughs> sorry um, <laughs> I will. I will move on to what is my favourite, and that is Sergeant Roach's Winchester uh, thirteen hundred shotgun, which is we both we both got very excited about this because Whoa. not only not only does he run the hell out of it in this film, he is running and gunning with it, but he oh, has yeah. he has what we we both agree is the coldest, the ice coldest shotgun reload of any film. And I'm, I yeah. John Wick in this where he's, tra- oh yeah, like Keanu, he's just trained to shit, like, to to yeah. reload shotguns. But this dude, Roach in this film, with that that shotgun reload is impeccable, and it's such I've a cool scene of as well. Like, oh, like, I've, I've made, made a, a gif of it already. We'll share it on the, the this Twitter, Facebook. Rob was he's made a gif, yeah,
1: um, yeah. Um, but it's just so it's very like cowboy esque the way he uses that shotgun. Oh, it's
0: so good! Um, and for... It's almost as good as the shotgun use in *Wind of the Lion*.
1: Yes, yeah, very. But he's like slam firing it. He's like, he's like treating it like it's automatic. It's so
0: it's great. It's just there's, cool, there's, isn't there's a, it? There's a battle sequence where they they push through and they, they make the uh, the VC fall back, and That's then there's it, yeah. some Viet Cong coming up the hill. And, they, and I think Dudikoff looks to McNamara and says, don't worry, they're headed towards Roach. So he's like, <laughs> yeah. Roach is the one-man blocking force with <laughs> yes. Winchester shotgun. Yes. He, he he very coldly is stood, just stood behind a tree with the shotgun, mm. waiting, and he hears them coming, sees them coming. Takes like a half-step, quarter-turn, ices two of them as they're coming up the hill, and then very, very slickly reloads. And just as the guy turns the corner, shoots him point-blank, and it's the most canon, canon movies, like, yeah. like blast death ever, but it's so it's just. Ice but it's how
1: he it's how he's holding the shell, mm-hmm. and he slides it up, and then as he slides it up, he pulls up the, the uh, the handle. So he loaded it as he puts it in, and he just blasts the dude. It's, it's, it's very. It's... it's something out of a western. I think that's why I like it so much. No, I, and I he, don't know. I don't know many
0: westerns that are well. That like yeah. the Professionals, maybe or something. Maybe yeah um, yeah. Yeah, Lee he, Marvin on a on a trench gun, that's something else. Yeah.
1: His characters is interesting because you do hear every now and then of, of guys who, you know, did a couple of tours, maybe too many, and volunteered to go back and they were just they were just war happy type mm-hmm. people. Like mm-hmm. I've read some reports of people like that and definitely read memoirs of people who talk about people like that. Um so for him to just be playing this sort of killing machine, cold, methodical, robot-esque type fighter. You know, it is very interesting, but his shotgun, the Winchester one three hundred, is a U.S. Army one that was in use at that time. So that's a nice yeah, little, a little thing for than me. It's, use, yeah, yeah. It's not like a, a post really post war shotgun. It's just nice to have it like that, and that's his main weapon. He doesn't use anything else. I think, um,
0: I think we've seen with uh, an M sixteen very briefly in the base he defense
1: use he, he uses McNamara's little carbine thing later he on. Does. He, I think so, he backed, yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um, and then oh. before you go into your your two favourites that you've uh, mentioned, sure thing. Um, just to round it out, there's an M72 law which they use to defend the village. I'm doing air quotes. Defend <laughs> the village. They literally blow up someone's house with it. Um, and the whole point, the, the whole mission of the of the platoon is to defend this village, um, and they they do a bang up job of it. Um, Ella job and, yeah. and, and and sarcasm. Um, there's a what looks like a mocked up M79 blooper. Because um, there's a number of features on it that are slightly different that don't. I'm not sure what right. that was. I couldn't work it yeah, out. I'm yeah, I'm not sure either. I, I tried to dig in. It's something similar. It might be like a flare launcher made to look. But well, they they overdub it at one point with a rocket launcher noise and It goes like. Poof! Yes. <laughs> it's like, it's oh, just
1: that's okay. just for viewers' benefit, isn't it? You know, it's yeah. what we we just think
0: ordnance. Um, yeah. Some nice claymore use, and then there's a great scene where they drop a metric buckton of. M- M twenty nine is it, I think it's M twenty nine grenades down yes, on a group of VC yes. uh, from the top of a waterfall. That shot
1: really well.
0: It, it, it is, it's, isn't
1: um, it? it? Again, it's it's Worcester's camera work mm. that mm. that that could be a scene from like Lost, the Mohicans, the way it's done. Like it's so it's so poetic. Like they they're all quiet and they've got the, the VC are bathing down in this little uh, sort of brook where the waterfall's going down and McNamara's like. Motioning them to be quiet, but motioning them to get a grenade out, mm-hmm. and they all they all throw a grenade over the lip of the waterfall, and it just it's done in like slow motion with like it's fast cuts. Overkill, it's overkill, but it's great. It, it's overkill in the edit, but it really gives it something. It's like how I keep thinking that like the camera work in this movie just elevates what in other films would just be this excuse to blow up a load of, of the enemy and it'd be bombastic and but it's the way that it's done in this movie where it gets away with it
0: it's really nicely shot yeah um, yeah um, m-26 grenade i think i think i said m-26 okay. I, I meant m-26 just 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 to be correct it's fine yeah, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yeah we have a... a couple of favorites that you want to mention
1: that's fine yeah so i, I the film continues what is the XM-alike trope Mm -hmm. where, so if you've listened to episodes before we've done Vietnam films, I think I explained in that, maybe the Hamburger Hill episode. I think it might have been, yeah. Or even maybe the... Was it Firebase Glory maybe? Might have been Firebase Glory. No, it was the Charlie Mopic episode. God, we've done a fair few Vietnam films. We have, and we've done a few Vietnam films that no one fucking (laughs) watches, right? Um, But that's why we do this show. It is. So... Every time we see one of these movies, someone has you know a grizzled sergeant as McNamara is, or yeah. an NCO has a what I'm calling an XM-like. So mm-hmm. um, the XM, uh, just quickly, the XM177 E1 slash E2 series of rif- uh, carbines were basically an early um, version of what now we, we would say was an M4 carbine. Very yeah, early, the carbine. first
0: shortened version of the yeah. the M16. Yeah,
1: that's it. So um, here uh, McNamara has a Colt Sporter 2, which you see a lot of. They're in Tropic Thunder as XM stand-ins. They're oh, in yeah. uh, Platoon as XM stand-ins. But his one's interesting because it has – the uh, McNamara, sorry – is interesting because he has a more traditional M16 solid buttstock, mm-hmm. which the regular M16s have. And then he has the, the handguard, the smaller handguard and barrel, but he has – not the extended flash hider that you'd have on the XM. He has the birdcage style yeah. M16 flash hider. So you might think, oh, well, that looks really weird and wrong. Well, no, it doesn't, because in-country, armourers would get kits to turn M16s into XMs, because not every XM coming off the production line made it to country. Some were used by the American Air Force. Some were used by you know, the, the MacV v mainly you had them. And they made their way into general service later. So if you see pictures of them out in country, you see these weird Franken guns where you've got, you know, a small flash hider, a big stock or someone might have even improvised a, a foregrip on there like we have now. Um, so I really like that. It's a nice little personalized weapon for him to use. He's an NCO. You can get away with it. That time of the war, anything's possible as well. So I kind of like his Franken XM. Really think it's cool. Um, and he also has a Smith and Wesson Model Twenty Nine in a he really does. cool leather shoulder holster, which and it just, gets used. And it gets used at the end when he gets hurt. He gets he's downed on the floor. He's been he's been hit by a. I think he gets hit by a, a small arms round, and then he gets blown up by a mine or mortar. something. I think it's a mortar. mortar. Lands, That's yeah. it. And he just he pulls the. You know that the, the the revolver in his sort of last act of of defence of defending himself and he's he's taking out lads and he's shooting it everywhere because he can't see. So it's a, a lovely little scene. Um, but I love Magnamara. The film could be about him because
0: he sells yeah. that character so much. He's really good. He's he, it's really well acted as well. It, it it really lifts the film. I think those three four performances around the main cast really do elevate mm. the film above what it could have ended up being. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. The, the plot is very... It's, it's A to B, isn't it? It's A to B, but it's everything you've seen in Nam movies up to that point. You, you, you get on a patrol,
0: you get ambushed, Yeah. you, you, you get a night we'll talk, attack. We'll talk <laughs> more about this in a moment, I think. Yeah, yeah. And of course, there's one last thing we need to mention, which is Lieutenant Knight's Browning high power, which yeah. is an interesting inclusion. We first see it on the desk in his dugout, um, and then later on he threatens... Um, Michael Dolorenzio's character with it uh, after he um, almost frags him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and he uh, basically puts it against his uh, forehead and says, do that again. and I, I will. It's like, you.
1: you better put one in my back or because <laughs> yeah, if you put don't, a square in my back. If... Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Um, really threatens him. But you had I a bit like of head it. cannon headcanon for that, didn't you? Yeah, so I'm thinking, how is this American officer got mm-hmm. a traditionally more commonwealth Used pistol. Absolutely. And it's it's not out of the realm's possibility for him to have one anyway. But I was thinking, and I know we always do this with movies we had in headcanon and we're like, oh how would how this happen? We do it every now and then, just to appease ourselves when we're doing the alley Tally, you know, we've got to make it work. Um, I think he got it off of an Australian when he was on R and R. He must have bought it at a PX or something, you know, some some Aussies going, yeah. I'll, see least, I'll see this, I'll see this pistol made for $30 or something, you know, and to cost like, yeah, fine. I like that gun. And he gives him like $30 or whatever. Well, who you know, That might that? be a horrific price. Wouldn't, yeah, wouldn't but, yeah. I mean, it's still chambered in the same round that a
0: Colt takes. So he could. know, it's, it's in nine millimeters. So the Colt's in 45, isn't it? Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Colt's in 45 yeah. ACP. and the He's going to have uh, a procurement
1: nightmare. When he his is.
0: House. Let's hope he, he bought a box of bullets, as they say. <laughs> be running around Hawaii trying to find Australians <laughs> on RR. and Let's hope he runs across someone with a suppressed stelling submachine gun to give him some. <laughs> that would know. be
1: weird if you had one of them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Just to switch things up a little bit before we move on to favourite scenes, I think this week I'm going to introduce a new segment called the Trope Tally. When we were watching this, and I was watching it, um I was texting Rob, and I listed a load of tropes off. This isn't to say that the tropes aren't um authentic and shouldn't be in here it's just mm-hmm. a, just a running tally of tropes that i spotted and i know you spotted a few as well so feel free to jump in anytime with any you spotted rob okay trope number 1 military trumpet theme music yes yeah, yeah. And it's not a bad theme it's not a bad theme at all okay um trope number 2
1: uh, trope 2 uh remote firebase in the middle of fucking nowhere
0: Poorly <laughs> positioned, absolutely. Poorly positioned, yeah. Trope number three for me is introducing the main character in the chopper.
1: Yeah, I love that though. That's like the. It was like the outpost. <laughs> yes,
0: it's great. No, it's a good way of doing it. It is. It's fine. Oh, hang on. Four. Yeah, <laughs> I think we're on Four. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, trope four. Um, trope
1: four. It riffing off every successful Vietnam movie up to that point. So you have like a scene where. He's, like, introducing the main characters, like, in Hamburger Hill, where you get that bit where they're on the firebase being talked to. Trope five,
0: um, smoking marijuana. Oh, good. I've got that. That was my next one. Smoking weed on watch. Absolutely. Um, Wouldn't have
1: fucking happened. I doubt doubt that would have happened. I've I've done a lot of sort
0: of... would have been a very lax unit,
1: I would imagine. Yeah, I've done a lot of research into it, and, and from what I can tell... I mean, most things that you you read, there was no. We did it when we were on like you know R and R, or if we were on a firebase and we were like chilling out, and we weren't on watch, or we weren't on you know thing. But no one said, no one ever says we did it when we were on patrol or when we we're on you know on stag or whatever. And they yeah, were yeah. still, they still did care <laughs> like about their yeah. I mean, self preservation. What the Nam film does is it it, it blurs the history a lot,
0: um, mm-hmm. which I think is a bit unfair sometimes. Uh, next i've got religious squaddy gets upset about victims of the war yeah that's a bit of a trope yeah it's a bit of a trope but it's it's not a bad trope uh um, trope, no. trope number whatever number we're up to Mines, classic war movie mind scene <laughs> yeah mind scene yeah very true very true um
1: vietnam war movie trope i think we're on eight or nine but but randomly burning things Oh yeah, that field. (laughs) They they only burn the field so they can get a lovely shot of them walking down the hill with the fire behind them. That's the way they get it. That's
0: probably true. It's
1: it's Worcester just being on set like, that That looked fucking cool. You burn that for me,
0: please. There's a sequence (laughs) where I think it's Roach stands up mid-firefight at the base defence after an RPG hits the watchtower and there's a big explosion which frames him, which looks great. And that is it. That's definitely a trope. Um... One of the sergeants says, oh, no, it's McNamara. He says, I don't know. I don't like it.
1: That's a good track. Classic.
0: Classic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, another right before one. before
1: he gets badly <laughs> wounded. My, my last one would be, no one aims their M16s very often. They all fire from the hip. <laughs> but that's not really a trope because if you do some research into the Vietnam War, there's a, a crazy amount of rounds fired per mm. kill mm. or per you know i read things people go look we just aimed at bushes and aimed at you know movement and things we just would fire yeah. off a whole mag and then reload and fire again you know you've, yeah. you're yeah. giving you're giving scared young men and a fully automatic weapon like and they're they're going to try and defend themselves insane amount of rounds being fired in firefights for very little return kill wise
0: yeah off the back of that one arming an m60 yes
1: that's yep. a
0: trope. And, and finally, the M60
1: doesn't oh. fire at times. It's just him doing moving <laughs> around with it, and the machine gun noise is going off. The belt's not nice. moving, and all that. It's great.
0: Uh, and finally, I've got shell dude standing in the middle of a barrage, telling everyone to leave him alone.
1: Yes, yes, that's right near the end, isn't it? As you were saying, like about the tropes not being bad. Most Vietnam War movies have these tropes in them because
0: at They've some point. They're based on
1: something they're based on something like yeah. every, every war movie has tropes in it every, every crime film has tropes in it it's how you use and deal with the tropes yes is the interesting yes. thing like there's a thing like I'll I'll talk about in a minute but there is a couple of things this movie does what you don't see
0: in many of your, uh, war know, movies, but I'll, I'll talk about I'll it later talk about those um I was just going to caveat off that and mention that there's an interesting review on actual uh IMDB which was left by a retired lieutenant colonel of the 503rd who did mm. a tour in 1969. And of course, it might not be a legitimate one, but it reads kind of legitimate and he gives his name and, you know, um, his actual dates of tour. Um, and it's just, just interesting. And of course, also to caveat this, that experiences vary. Uh, he says... If you want to see the Vietnam War as it was experienced by a real platoon leader, this is it. Authentic, down to the mannerisms, slang, terror and delusion of it all. This film has none of the weird fantasisms of Apocalypse Now or the left-wing political hype of Platoon. Interesting. Very interesting. I mean, mm. I, I, it
1: doesn't concern itself with a lot. No, it doesn't. So it show political issues. It might have a line, but it didn't do anything else. Um you know, even down to the briefing scene that you get at the start is one line, yeah. <laughs> like, literally. Okay. Defend the village. Yeah. Defend, we're sending you here. Go there. You know, it's very um, succinct. But then I, I guess there were times when, you know, new, new lieutenants or replacement uh, and uh, COs were just told, right, there's a firebase there. you got go and that's your Running.
0: job. Yeah.
1: You know, there's literally episodes of Tour of Duty where that is the plot of that episode, where there's a firebase base the main cast go in and it's there. I think that's an episode like three or four with their job just to take over this firebase. Um and this felt like a long episode of Tour of June Yeah, you did to me. say this.
0: you did say this, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Not in a bad way though. Hmm. Not in a bad way. Well I think that takes us into favorite scenes. It does.
1: So for me, my, my my favorite scene, and it's quite a short scene, and there's loads of little almost vignette type um scenes in this where mm. they're just going through every Vietnam trope, as we mentioned. But I really like the night attack on the LZ because you're waiting for it, because they 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 set it up early you on they're good. like
0: Oh, oh yeah. god, I forgot a trope Rob. What? Defense preparation montage.
1: Yes, yes, you
0: could put you <laughs> could
1: you could almost put like a a, a sort of uh the 18th 80s theme something <laughs> over that like you know like um building a bridge to your heart or something like <laughs> <laughs> maybe like a classic montage song but no you're right and they do set it up you know they, they, they're saying oh this is the only village that the vc don't control and um, this mm. uh, pro western village um and and you're right on the edge of where we can operate from and Blah blah, you're you know you're tenuous the last position. line, yeah. Very mm-hmm. tenuous, yeah. You know, um, even like uh, McNamara says at the start, you know, they're saying you should point your M60s over there and over there, but no, you have to point them this way because I've fucking been here. You know, it's really like
0: yeah, even
1: directly at the village,
0: proper like that's you. where they're going to come <laughs> from.
1: Bloodthirsty, he knows what he's he's doing. But then the, you finally get to this night attack, and it's after. Um, knight has requested more help from the major. The major's like, I'll do my damnedest for you, um, in classic B movie, sort of war movie trope style. Um, and then you get this night attack by the VC, and it's at night, obviously, because it's a night attack, so fucking stupid, leave that in. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say it's really dark, right? <laughs> but the way that it's lit is really nice. You've got like red lights, you've got some very like yellowish light, and the it's just the scale of it. It's, again, where Worcester's camera work comes in. You it's, feel like they could be bigger than
0: It bigger than you expect, it, doesn't
1: it? Yeah, much, much bigger. And you've got 50 cows going off. You've got flares, illumination flares popped up. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the VC come in with rocket launchers and they start hitting, hitting the, the, uh, the emplacements. Yeah, a guy sets off a claymore. Yeah. Um, and then once they've called in the, air, the, the choppers and they get an APOP strike, there's a beautiful, and it's a blink and you'll miss it, um, a piece of framing, but I absolutely love it where there's flames going off in the background and it's like almost to the side of the base and you see a stream of VC coming over the edge of this ridge line, mm-hmm. or like the, the, the entrance to the jungle yeah. and all the guys are like yo, get them and they like turn and start firing, but it looks like there could be a sea of VC out there, yeah. I really like it yeah. it's what Firebase Gloria didn't do or it didn't have it. I
0: Gloria to... had scale on its side, mm. but they didn't have the cinematography. I don't think. I, I, I think the the base defense sequence in Firebase Gloria is really good and one of my favorite parts of the film because there's a lot of dynamic movement and I like it in a shocky way. Well. Though. Yeah, yeah. I think this this has a little bit of um, style to it, and also. Mm. You're not expecting that really impressive gun run by the Hueys, um, yep. because Five Ace Gloria is kind of hampered in that they they have um, unarmed Hueys doing a similar sort of thing, yeah. And that it just it's just pyro on the ground. But mm. with this, you're getting you're seeing the rockets firing out, the rocket pods and stuff, and that's really cool. Yeah, there's
1: loads going on, and there's a nice shot from like the side of a Huey where you see like a minigun going off. Mm-hmm. Um, very blinking, you'll miss it. But it's just a very tight little sequence. I thought that was going to be the end of the movie.
0: I do, um, actually.
1: And it it doesn't. But it's a nice little midpoint, like little sequence. So it's quite strong. Like, yeah. The thing is, it's one of those things, because I've said, don't dismiss the movie out of turn. Wait until you get to this part. I know there's going to be people that they just won't get this far. Yeah. And I think it's you're doing the film with this service if you don't let it develop a little bit. But no, Matt, Matt what's your favourite scene.
0: I've got a few, and it's one of those films where it's not a favourite scene; it's a favourite moments. And as you said, it's kind of vignette in places. There's a nice sequence early onish where they do like a there's a, a jungle night sequence um, where they they use red light torch, which you never mm. see in a film. Never films, no, you never see in films. You never really see a great deal of red light torch use, um, where they find like a, a booby trap. Um, and there's some genuine tension created a little bit later on where there's they set up an ambush to hopefully catch like a small infiltration team and it turns out there's an entire like um vietnamese uh, north vietnamese company just plows through this opening this clearing and that's a greatly short sequence it really is it's very effective and they just hunker down hope they aren't seen McNamara is there with his finger in a in the um the the pin of of a grenade ready to go and just
1: I, just I tell you what, that, very that sequence, if it was if it was US Marines um in um, the Pacific with Japanese troops running through, it you could slot that right into thin red line. That's what mm. the camera yeah. reminds me
0: of. Mm. Yeah. Good point. Good point. Um although some of my other favourite moments we've already talked about, we've talked about Roach with his uh, with his shotgun. Yeah. Um, and we've also talked about uh, that scene with Greaser, the the yeah uh, the new a yeah, uh, new replacement rather, um with Roth, uh, with roach um that, that works really well. Um my other favorite is where Aaron Aaron Norris appears <laughs> yeah. as a, as a press photographer or like a reporter. I
1: thought it was Willem Dafoe for a minute. Because he looks a little bit like Willem
0: Dafoe. I was sat there watching it, and I, and I thought that beard looks very much like Chuck Norris's beard. Um, because it, it's a it's a very full beard. It's a, mm. it's a Norris beard. And I was like that. That's that's got to be has got to be a cameo. It's got to be a cameo. Yeah, and it we'll was. Go, and it's, it's pretty decent cameo. Yeah. and he deserves it. He deserves to have a little cameo. He's having
1: his cop He's having his cop having the race like keep moving like you're fighting but it's not quite like it's not quite as jarring as that because i always find that cameo in apocalypse now to be too jarring because it's it doesn't seem natural (laughs) whereas like well nothing in that movie seems natural because it's a fucking fever dream but um (laughs) you know but you know what i mean like it's a strong cameo as cameos go
0: well yeah funny if
1: it had been chuck and norris chuck and aaron
0: like chuck Chuck as his cameraman that would have been hilarious (laughs)
1: funny
0: yeah well yeah that the the, as you say that that um the the base defense is one of my favorite scenes because i just wasn't expecting it to be quite as well choreographed and shot as it was yes um and as you you also mentioned that isn't the end of the film so there's like a there's an operation where they're supposed to be protecting the village and, and kind of using it as a um as a as bait to mm. destroy a larger um, MVA force, and they things go wrong a little bit. McNamara's wounded, and they end up in the wrong position. So they have to like retake the village, uh, yeah. during which there's a lot of um, carnage, which is also rather good. And I think we'll probably mention this in a moment, but it depicts uh, you know, know. The, the VC killing vietnamese civilians which isn't, isn't something you always see and it, that's another thing that this film shares with firebase gloria as well yeah shows very uh, um north vietnamese uh, war crimes
1: yeah because that's a whole part of the war that really obviously it's there but it, it doesn't get reported as much as u.s war crimes obviously we know to, uh, uh, a big extent that, you know, the US committed horrible atrocities almost probably daily, weekly, um, without sometimes without even realising it as well, um, because it was all about body count and the way that they were geared up out there at times, it was like, well, how are you meant to follow these orders without doing heinous things? Because if you don't, you might not get a promotion, you might not get your base a certain thing you want. It was all very, like, uh, carrot and carrot stick, Karen stick yeah. mm-hmm. sometimes mm-hmm. out there would feel to, to my knowledge, but there's a great book um, about uh, the Australians in Vietnam that I read. And there was a lot about Vietnamese war crimes in there that I hadn't heard about from other American uh, memoirs or, or histories. So for this film to show VC troops blowing up uh, villages and, and burning huts and killing civilians offhand, um, much like they do in Platoon in a very similar sequence Um, was surprising to me. I I respect the film for showing that because not many films do and not many people are aware that the VC were just as ruthless and cold-blooded at at times, even more so um, in certain certain areas and, and times during the war. So that's an interesting part of the movie for me and I respect it for that. Because it's not what I expected yeah, from a Cameron film. Well, yeah, yeah. It, it's very, very I must admit, I'm I'm, blo- I'm building it up, but it's a very very small part of the movie. It's maybe two minutes long, two yeah, minute sequences. It's, sequence just, it's just no
0: way that they included it in. The, mm. or, yeah, that takes us into final thoughts. I think. Hello, I'm Al Murray, and you're listening to Fighting on Film, the world's number one war film podcast.
1: I enjoyed this one in a i kind of, i like how canon films are very over the top type way sometimes mm-hmm. this is a type of movie that you want to watch as we said it's very cliche heavy but i think it deals with its cliches quite well um i think as i said i think some slate the movie too early they don't give it a chance like if you can get over the 20 minute mark and then start to see some of these really nice cameras camera work quite a nice staging of of, of sequences i think you can enjoy it um the best Michael Dudikoff film that I've seen. I think he's doing stellar work. Um, mm-hmm. and, and dare I say, I actually enjoy it more than Fireplace Gloria, which is a very Ooh. Si- a very similar film.
0: Ooh, um, that's, that's interesting.
1: And as well, it's exactly the type of film that Tropic Thunder was lampooning at the start. Yes. It's exactly that kind of movie. So if you want to see what maybe a, a whole Tropic Thunder would have been like, <laughs> if they just stuck <laughs> to the war part of it, mm-hmm. it's this. I really do think it. And as I say, you can't watch A movies every week. And this has its place in the genre. And I think it is worth your time. And it's out on I, YouTube to watch. It, there's so many rips of it on YouTube. I mean, you,
0: you can't not find it. <laughs> that is true. There well, are quite a few. Um, I would agree. I was surprised. I was pleasantly surprised by it being better than I thought it would be. It's probably the best Aaron Norris film I've seen. Without um, a doubt. Yeah. Um I'm I mean, not a huge ro- Chuck Norris
1: fan, I must admit. So no,
0: I'm not either, but I mean we will get round to some of his um warm movie-based oh, yeah. stuff because it is interesting. It has uh, merit mental USA. Yeah, that's gonna be mental. Um <laughs> I would say that there are some ropey bits in here. There's some delivery of oh, lines that yeah. aren't great, and I know we've we've given it um, you know a fair crack of the whip, and um, we've said it is pretty good. But there's a couple of howlers that I've got to mention. There's a little <laughs> bit where Dudikoff is injured by a mine, and he literally just goes, "Oh, ah, ah, I'm on fire." Ah, <laughs> yeah, that's ow, a bit weird. Yeah, ow, ow. Um, <laughs> it's not a, not the, the best performance of someone it's who's a bit hammy. wounded. It's very it's hammy. A little bit hammy, isn't it? Um yeah. There's a bit where uh, the radio man goes for an Oscar when he's wounded. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but that's why i likened it to that to tropic thunder because it's like that totally totally and the the medic yeah. sort of comes comes over and presides over and goes lieutenant lieutenant this man's dead and it's the straightest i like delivery it.
1: i like how straight that medic is and i'll tell you what that medic has a really good death sequence he has a very
0: gnarly death
1: yeah <laughs> where he goes to protect a vietnamese woman and her baby that are running through the firefight and when he gets hit by the rounds i don't think i've seen an actor Act being shot as well as he does, it's pretty like, good. And he gets hit through the shoulder, and it's like he really throws himself back, but then he, he saves the baby,
0: so it's a bit he of a cliche like he... death, <laughs> but it's good a little bit. It's another one of the tropes, <laughs> it's like classic,
1: another, another trope. Flat jackets be fucking useless
0: as well. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because they weren't meant for taking rounds, that's not the point. Of no, me. exactly. I mean, there's um... a fair bit of mortar fire in this, so they probably <laughs> like... helped with that. Um,
1: <laughs> like in The Simpsons, the goggles, they do nothing. The flag jackets, <laughs> they do nothing. <laughs>
0: um, I think to sum it up for me, I'd say it's surprisingly well shot and directed. There's some decent performances. Um, I've seen far worse war movies. I've seen far worse Vietnam war movies. We've
1: sat through Rebels of PT-128, so anything is yes, yes, we
0: have. This doesn't... This, I mean, to be fair, this doesn't have the best bulkhead scene of any war movie I've ever seen like PT one two eight does. No. <laughs> um uh for a modest budget it does some interesting things. It shows a couple of uh interesting relationships between the three or four main characters. I think the way it handles the uh the heroin overdose uh from michael de character is, is i don't know i don't know <laughs> he gets
1: threatened egg. by Dudikov yeah. for fragging him <laughs> the next scene he's od'd on heroin i'm like did he scare you that much <laughs> that he wanted to get out like, i don't know that, the, that was
0: lifted from somewhere else or it was in the i book. don't
1: get what that was about i yeah. don't
0: know um <sighs> surely you wouldn't just let let him go off on his own anyway but anyway <laughs> Um, but as we've said, it hits a lot of the classic tropes, but sometimes more meaningfully than a lot of other films do.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so I would say, you know, booking the uh the retro reviews, I'd say it's probably, you know, it's worth your time. Yeah.
1: I, I said I said to me and my wife watched it together, and I said, if I I mean obviously we grew up in the nineties, but I was like, if I had my, my three quid or my four quid in the early 90s late 80s and I went to the rental shop and I saw this and I wanted that type of movie I rent, I'd be I'd be happy with yeah. this i,
0: I Sling probably this would seen have would this by, out of the bargain bin at MVC for a definitely. quid yeah. yeah which is ironic
1: now because it's really fucking hard to get on Blu-ray or DVD um you you, you it's easier to get a VHS copy of this and it is a Blu-ray release um because it because these canon films just seem to be there's another one I'm, I've pitched to Matt that we're going to do later on in the year, um, called Mercenary Fighters. <laughs> Guess when we might be doing that Merc Month Two coming soon. Um, but it, it, it's like that. That's hard to find that movie. Um, we, we've we found a, a copy to watch, but yeah, if it, it's out there, I I think this is one of those films. Like just
0: just give it another chance. You know, just just maybe view it with different lenses. It it's worth your time. Until I've watched all of Aaron Norris's films, I'm going to call this his magnum opus.
1: I agree. Yes. Milius has Red Dawn. Norris
0: has Platoon Leader. I think that rounds us out nicely. So thanks for listening, everybody. Um, Don't forget to check us out on Facebook, Twitter, at Fighting on Film. Uh, You can find our entire back catalogue over at www.fightingonfilm.com. Who knows, you might have a foth binge and catch up with any that you've missed we have a brand new search function which allows you to find all the ones that previously apparently we couldn't find um so yeah thanks for listening
1: it's good (laughs) (laughs) catch you next week catch you next week guys
0: bye bye guys